0: It was really about getting dental therapists known in the government because not many of them actually know what a dental therapist can mm. do or what even they are. Um, and Tim had had meetings with the BDA, um, and it was lovely for him to mention the British Association of Dental Therapists in his press releases and in his um, and in his social media as well.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Series Four of the Smart Revolution Podcast. I'm Victoria Wilson, a dental therapist. This podcast is created for you, the dental profession, all around the world, to inspire you in your career through the content shared by the wonderful interviewees. On today's podcast recording, recorded in the earlier part of the pandemic, I speak to Debbie McGovern, current president of the British Association of Dental Therapists, and Debbie Hemmington, current chair about the tireless work of the BADT. But first, I'd like to highlight the BADT's greatest achievement during the pandemic has been in supporting their members, especially with regards to getting withheld NHS money paid out to them. They state, Our membership increased significantly as word spread that we were being proactive and successful in this, And we managed to secure payment for members who had previously been brushed off by practice management as not being entitled to anything from the continuing NHS payment made to practices. We reinforced our growing relationship with the BDA, who supported us on this matter too and issued a joint statement with us. It really was such a great pleasure to speak to debbie and debbie and we really had so much fun recording this podcast through listening to our conversation today i hope you learn gain inspiration and ideas for furthering your career path now supporting oral health promotion to achieve oral health for all throughout this series we will continue to share content on how to open doors of opportunity and in support of this it's now my time to share everything I have learned in running the SMAR revolution with you. And I've released a five-week course entitled Launching an Oral Health Promotional Project and Business. So join me and launch your own oral health promotional project too. The link to my course can be found on the website. If you felt the strain of the last months as I have and are searching for some dedicated you time, Supporting your well-being as a dental professional in the comfort of your own home, you can now join me for Smart Revolution Yoga, running online every week. Details on the website. So, Debbie and Debbie, welcome on to the Smart Revolution podcast. Hello, thank you for having us.
0: Thank you for having us.
1: Well, it, it's such a pleasure to have you on the Smart Revolution podcast. I've known you, wonderful lady, ladies, for a number of years, and to have you both on representing the British Association of Dental Therapists today is absolutely wonderful. I've been very involved with the BADT for many years, and it's just exciting for me to be recording a podcast on all the work that the BADT does for dental therapists. So for the listeners, we're just going to really go through the work that the BADT work tirelessly on behind the scenes today for you to all gain an insight into what they're currently working so hard on. Now, Debbie, our president, Debbie McGovern, I'd like to speak to you about some of the incredible work you have been working on during your time as president. And one thing in particular that I'd like to start with is you were really the first person to get your foot through the door at the House of Commons in this current government. So how did you do that? And where did you start?
0: Well, it was it was very strange because um, I received a message from one of one of our colleagues, um, Dave Martin, and he said, "Deb, Deb, get on, look, get onto the news, look at this." And Tim Farron was doing a, a BBC broadcast um, about NHS dentistry and you know people struggling to get appointments. So um, I contacted Tim's office and I got through to his PA. And I made, um, I I basically tried to get an appointment with him. So he said, look, email me in, you know, let me know what the problems are and I'll see if I can get him to call your we'll arrange a meeting. In the meantime, Dave had also contacted him via email as well. Um, And he responded to Dave saying, we've already spoken with your president. Um, So yes, but it was only because of Dave that I I heard about this on, on, on the television. So it was really quite, was really quite good We had a lovely conversation over the telephone and he invited me down to um houses of parliament for a meeting um and so obviously I asked Dave to come with me because it was Dave's and you know it was was Dave who spotted I suppose without Dave I wouldn't have seen it because I was in work in patience yeah uh, that particular day so (laughs) uh, yeah but it was you know what he's a lovely lovely person he was so helpful you know, and it's one of many meetings, I'm sure, because he's, he, especially in his area, you know, they have a, a specific problem with NHS dentistry. Yeah. So he's, he's he's really got the bit between his teeth. And if you email him, he comes right back to you straight away. He really is a, a wonderful MP. Oh, well, um, thank you
1: for being as well I'm such really... a bold president and getting and getting in touch with them. And that's just an example of really, you know, what we can do to orchestrate change, speaking mm-hmm. to our presidents, and obviously, you in your position at this moment in time, it's possible to get through the door. So maybe come to the BNDT. If you've got something that you want to speak about or you mm-hmm. want to change, then get in contact. There's no
0: harm in contacting. MPs, right? Do, do you know what Victoria? I'm a bit incessant when it comes to things like that. I'm a bit like Deb. When you get something bit between your teeth, you, you, you just keep going and going and going until yeah. you get they get your own way. And and do you know what? It it really did make a difference um, because you know he has mentioned it many times in Parliament and through his social media. You know, yeah. he, he was the head of the Liberal Democrats at one point, wasn't he? He was the leader. So, you know, he's got quite a lot of knowledge. He's got quite a lot of clout. People do listen to him and he's a lovely person. Um, As as my mum says, he's the only one, he's the only MP with scruples. (laughs) 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 She really likes him. (laughs) But, you know, and it was a very exciting day when we went. Um, I'm sure. Dave and I went on the train and it was Brexit voting day. Oh, wow. Wow when we went and literally he we we went into his office first and he said look if I get the six minute warning we're just gonna have to go and you're gonna have to come with with me um, because (laughs) we're voting on Brexit so anyway we we went through our our meeting without a hitch it was lovely and he went shall I give you a little tour and I went yeah I'll be lovely thank you so so I've been to the houses of parliament before with BADT to a couple of um meetings whatnot so I had been there before but he took us down in the lift mm-hmm. underneath the, the, the building and it yeah. takes you through a secret passageway. Yeah. We end up in the Houses of Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave and I were going on the escalator and walking past us was um, all the MPs. Um, honestly, it was just unbelievable. We were like, wow. wow. <laughs> and there was, there was guys at every corner with guns and he was just like, just follow me, they're with me. They're with so me. We, uh, so we felt that we, it was an amazing day. It really, really was. Not, and It was very, very well filed
1: And who would have thought from that initial email contact that that would end up that you would be going and having a tour around and rubbing shoulders with the rest <laughs> of the MPs?
0: But it, I, it was. It wasn't about that. It was really about getting yeah, a dental therapists a hundred kno- known in you know what in the government because not many of them actually know what a dental therapist can mm. do or what even they are. Um, and Tim had had meetings with the BDA. Um, and it was lovely for him to mention the British Association of Dental Therapists in his press releases and in his um and in his social media as well.
1: Yeah, and to get things moving towards change, this is what we need to be doing, contacting. So yeah, if, exactly. I think, yeah, listeners, if anybody is interested in taking something forward, get in contact because it's that initial contact through our associations, and you are the gateway to to move that forward, aren't you? And especially yeah, already absolutely. with that contact. So I know you've been working on there's consultations on the scope of practice and where it's going in the NHS. At which point are you at and how has your work and your connection with the MPs uh, moved forward since you made that initial connection?
0: Well, there's a, there's, there's, there's a team set up through NHS England the advancing dental care team and they are looking at dentistry as a whole how it's moving forward what the future needs to look like um, and also um, how the training of dentistry needs to change in order to get to the end goal so for example in Liverpool they're they're part of a new pilot project where the dental students are all dental students and in that cohort there are dental therapy students and dental students and no one knows who is who or what part of the, unless you actually say I'm a dental student or, you know, they're yeah, all the same. Yeah. They're, going, they're going at the same point, And after year three, they can jump off their degree and they can go work as a therapist and jump back on to continue the training. I did hear um, about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're looking at where dentists are being trained because I think the way they're wanting to look at that is the the specialist pathway, they're kind of wanting the dentist to be the specialist and the dental therapist to carry out all the routine dental treatments Mm. Um, and they're looking at, you know, scope of practice, you know, where we could make changes to our scope of practice and what part would we change? How would that look like? How would the training be delivered? So uh, Malcolm gave me a ring. I mean, obviously I've been going to all the meetings, but Malcolm gave me a ring Mm. after I went to Singapore to the Asian Dental Conference for Dental Therapists. Yeah. And when I attended this conference, I met so many dental therapists from different countries Mm -hmm. who have all got different scopes of practice. Mm -hmm. So, for example, some dental therapists can uh, take adult teeth out some dental therapists can make dentures. Some dental therapists can do pulpotomies in an emergency situation. So we're, we, and through this international organization, we're looking at how those countries got to that point. Mm. And they've already got the information, collating it all together. And the likes of the Advancing Dental care with Malcolm is looking at, OK, how can we do this? Um, do we do it on a modular basis? do we do it with a a a a top-up degree to the dental therapy right do we do we look at changing scope of practice Mm -hmm. and he said let's so what what we're going to do is we're going to do a survey to find out um basically what dental therapists would like to add to their skills because I mean doesn't -hmm. mean that everybody will want to use those additional skills um you know or at the end of the day, I don't want to make dentures or do dentures, but another dental therapist might. It's not what about we want, it's what about the profession wants.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So um, well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a scoping exercise to see what kind of things we could add to our role. To start off with, I think would be really helpful, especially if the NHS contract changes us to allow to open courses of treatment. We should be able to see patients in an emergency situation. Yeah. So, could we relieve pain with, you know, doing first stage, you know, uh, you know, pulpotomy? Can we take an adult tooth out? You know, what are the things that we could do to start to help initially? You know, can we take implant bridges off to clean underneath mm. them? You know, things like that. Um, and it's Malcolm, is so, so willing and wanting to help. He's so engaging with dental therapists. That's and amazing. You see, and you see it at every meeting that you go to. It's very focused on therapists for the future.
1: Well, that's amazing, isn't it? And you're, yeah. you know, you're involved with that, with your work. And how wonderful to have the opportunity to go to Singapore and also be um, meet so many other therapists from around the world. And, and like um, we were saying earlier, you know, it's about understanding what others are doing in other countries, how we can move forward to support yep. the, the public's oral health even more. And that's the core of everything, isn't it? And just going back to what you were saying, is, am I understanding that with the House of Commons, you're actually working on opening that course of treatment? Is that the
0: focus? That, I, I, that's what that's that's what the focus would like to be. There are lots of hoops that you have to jump through yeah. and changing legislation. It's got to go before the, the, you know, parliament. It's all about making noise. But as, you know, I've had many conversations with the CDO about this, you know, and, you know, her feeling is that there are other are the priorities at the moment. You know, the, one of the priorities was Brexit and yeah. now this has happened. Mm. But, you know, I think going forward, the NHS contract probably won't be the same anyway. No, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, this is a perfect opportunity to look at how we can engage and how we can help with that. Yeah.
1: And for members and dental therapists out there, what are the opportunities for us to get involved in in, in, in your work at the moment? How can we help support what you're doing to support all of us and the public's oral house?
0: Well, certainly whenever we produce a survey, um, engagement in the survey would be really, really helpful. Yeah, and see, and you know what, feedback of what we're doing—you know, feedback on Deb's work, or my work, or you know, somebody. I mean, we've got we behind Deb and I. There's a huge team, of course, um, and they're and we're all volunteers. So yeah, you know, any kind of you know negative or constructive feedback will help us. I couldn't agree more.
1: Uh, that's one thing I say through this podcast as well. Feedback is important and it does mean so much. And you're wonderful on going f- on Facebook Lives and you have been throughout this time, Debbie, uh, routinely, I think merely most evenings. I think now you're doing it three nights a, a week, going on Facebook um, to speak to the, the profession about where we are and what maybe you've gained access through in the day through your role or what you've been sent. And, you know, I'm sure receiving information maybe prior to some of us as, as an organisation. You do, you get that. And then being the president and voicing that out to the profession has been really supportive and really reassuring. And at least we are all in the unknown kind of territory at the moment. Nobody really knows what's going to come Come next we've just got to live now but just being updated constantly is certainly comforting and I think I'm
0: sure mm-hmm.
1: I can speak for you know what? People thanks, out
0: there. That, thanks for that Victoria and it's it's really encouraging and it keeps us all motivated but it can be very disheartening sometimes when you see some negativity on, on Facebook or the you know some of the networks about what are our associations doing for us and and it's and, it, and it's and it's they're usually the ones that are not members yeah. Um and, and they don't know what the work that we're doing because yeah. obviously we we try to give our members the information first. So sometimes those non members are not getting the information because they're not members. Yeah. Um, you know, and
1: it's No, I understand that. And I guess this is an opportunity through the podcast for any non members listening just to gain an insight into all the work that's going on behind the scenes. And like Debbie said, you know, everyone's a volunteer here working for the profession. And one project that Debbie Hemmington's working on um, for the overseas project um, with the GDC for dental therapists. So, Debbie, could you start by just giving us a little bit of a background about this work and where it began?
2: Okay, so um, last year, I was approached by um, somebody involved in one of the VT schemes and she was expressing concern that they were having a number of overseas dentists who were applying for VT therapist places. So she pointed out to them that they couldn't apply as a dentist and discovered that they were being registered as therapists and hygienists um, by the GDC. So she got in touch with me and we, with great help from Dental Protection um, at that time as well, we did quite a lot of investigating and we actually opened up a huge can of worms with this. So it used to be that if you were an overseas dentist, you could only apply to join the dentist register over here. And that involves sitting the ORE, the Overseas Registration Exam, which is done in two parts. And the second part is a phantom head exercise, basically. Right. Right. And there's a very, very high failure rate. So either the standards are very, very high or the standards coming in are not as high. One of the problems as well is that the ORE is very, very expensive for them to sit. So an overseas candidate has to find about £8,000, I think it is now, to sit both parts of the ORE. For the dentist? Yes. But the waiting list can be up to two to three years because they don't run them very often because they're very expensive to put on. Right. So unfortunately, when you register as a DCP, it's a paperwork exercise. So if you are a therapist that had trained in New Zealand and you wanted to come and work over here and get on the GDC register, they look at your paperwork and they match your learning outcomes and decide whether you've got equivalents or not. I'm with you, yeah. And then they yeah. will they will grant you entry into the register. Sometimes, particularly with hygienists, because they're trained in far more countries, there might be some elements that are missing in an overseas curriculum that they do have in the UK curriculum. Um, and so they'll be given an adaptation period during which they have to undertake certain supervised tasks which quite often is to do with local anaesthetic and that sort of thing, because right. not every country delivers local uh, sure. Um So it would appear that about 2016, the GDC were probably challenged, we can't quite get to the bottom of it, probably threatened with a legal challenge and started allowing overseas dentists to register as hygienists and therapists. And that is therefore done just on a paperwork exercise. So if they want to be a dentist in this country, they have to sit a practical test. But if they want to be a hygienist or therapist, it's a paperwork exercise. Mm-hmm. And they simply look at matching the learning outcomes of the courses. And we felt very strongly that actually that's double standards in that case. If you've got to prove a certain amount of practical skill to be able to remove dental hard tissue as the dentist, you should be proving the same standards to come onto the dental therapist or DCP register. Um, so we did lots and lots and lots of investigating. Um, Dave Bridges was a great help. Sean Howe. It's like a dog with a bone getting to the bottom of this. <laughs> um, anyone who knows Sean will know that that's his style when he's got his teeth into something. And um, we were we were helped enormously by a retired dentist called Paul Felton, um, who used to employ therapists when he had his own practice. Um, Paul is actually a journalist as well in a previous life. Okay. So his, his investigative skills were just second to none. So between them, they uncovered all sorts of evidence. Um, and one of the most worrying things that we discovered is there are quite a lot of agencies who are advertising overseas saying, come and work in the UK. You don't need to sit the ORE. So they're exploiting this loophole right one of the one of the other things that concerns me as well as an undergraduate tutor is there is also no assessment of these candidates understanding working within a limited scope of practice so you know, what happens if you're on your own on a Friday afternoon in the practice and a child walks through the door and they've fallen over and upper right is hanging out, but you need to give some local to be able to take it out. You can't open a course of treatment on the NHS. You can't give the local without the prescription. Um, so there's 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 no assessment of understanding what the limited scope means and how to stay within it. And this is one of the things that I know is concerning the indemnity companies quite a lot as well. Sure. Because the temptation would be understandably in that scenario, pop a bit of local in, take it out, be done with it, particularly because mm-hmm. you're a dentist in another country. But of course, then, then you've stepped outside your scope. And if that starts drawing complaints, then. It's going to put at risk, really, the very good rates of indemnity that hygienists and therapists have had up until now, because we're a very, very low risk group in the profession.
1: Mm. And just listening to you, Debbie, it's all my understanding of it is there and you, you're working on this to see it through to protect everybody, the, the overseas dentist coming
2: in yes yeah yes. maybe working yeah, I mean, and wishing the, to work as the, a therapist. The GDC are supposed to put patients first. They are supposed to protect the patient. Absolutely. You know we said to the GDC. So I I was there as an undergraduate tutor. Sarah Murray was there because we invited BSDHT to join us as well. So she's um, programme lead at the London. And we also had Bev Littlemore from UCLan. So we had three educators around the table. uh, And we were saying that, you know, that when you're in a UK school, a GDC inspection is rigorous at your standards, your processes, your... Um, the way you know, you cannot get a substandard student through no matter what you do because of all the processes you have to have in place, yeah. And we are merely asking that an overseas registrant is tested to the same level before they're granted the title of dental therapist. Mm.
1: And it seems, you know, the, um, the right thing from my understanding, of course, because like we just mentioned, it's there to protect you as a dentist overseas coming that yeah. maybe is not aware of the therapist remit. Um, and also indemnity to, for the clarity that you've been fully informed about the remit and ultimately the patients and other clinicians working alongside anybody that's coming into the country for us all to feel confident that we are fully aware of everybody's scope of practice and aligning as a team to support the patients and delivery. Right. the care.
2: Exactly. I remember th- there are so few countries that train therapists. Mm. Most of these overseas dentists are coming from countries that don't train therapists. So they have no experience of working with them mm. or even knowing of their existence half the time. And the thing that concerns us the most really is the way these agencies are advertising it, that you can come and work in dentistry in the UK, avoiding the ORE. And that's actually in their advertising straplines for quite a few of these agencies. Mm. And they're actively marketing overseas and trying to get them over here. Yeah, And then, you know, you do wonder, depending which country they come from, the sort of salaries that are on offer are probably very, very attractive and they may well be exploited themselves as well. Mm. It's here
1: to protect everyone, what you're working absolutely. on. You know, absolutely. There's actually no way, because I know we've had this, this discussion before that we want to work with international colleagues um, because uh, the nature of the podcast is about working and collaborating with colleagues from all around the world to learn we can all learn so much from each other but we equally want everyone protected in this in the amalgamation
2: we've got no problem with overseas colleagues joining the register we want them tested to the same standard as the UK graduate yeah and, you know, I look at my students that, particularly at the moment, face quite an uncertain future while they wait to sit their exams. And, you know, they sweat blood over getting through these exams. And yet, someone else can get onto the register just with paperwork. And I, I, I. I just don't think it's right. I really don't think Mm -hmm. it's right. And we have got massive support for it. All the indemnifiers are backing us. Um, The BDA have been very supportive. So is FGDP. So what stage are you
1: along the process at the moment?
2: So we had this meeting in February and they agreed to look at all of our evidence. Um, And of course... Then I started chasing them to follow it up and we wanted another meeting with the indemnifiers and that sort of thing. Then, of course, COVID hit us because this was the middle of February that we went. Yeah, sure. So I am still emailing them weekly with more evidence that I'm uncovering um, and reminding them about all of this. But, of course, COVID is a great get out for a lot of people for a lot of things that they don't really want to have to face, but I am not letting it go. Um, I, I have become the dog with a bone to build up more and more evidence of things that could have gone wrong if people had not stepped in and done something about it. So if anybody has anything, if you could email it to me at chair at badt.org.uk, I can add it into the file of evidence. Um, and as I said, I'm, I'm not going to let it drop. I'm not going to let yeah. it drop. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. And we will share that email address in the about section of the podcast today. So if anybody wishes to email Debbie, then please do on the email that we will write down underneath the about section of the podcast. So what do you see potentially in this what we're going through at the moment there's always opportunities aren't there to to further and the hardest times definitely I think bring the best opportunities for us to advance certainly in whatever we're doing so on that positive note what do you feel now like to support the public's oral health could be the future for dental therapists and that
0: maybe you'd like to start looking into more? I think the dental therapist, per se, has been the most adaptive um, team member since 1963. You look, if you go back at history and look how we've adapted to all the different situations from working in community, from working into practice, to expanding our role, our remit, you know, we've adapted so well. through B A D T, of course, and I think I will adapt. We'll adapt to whatever's thrown at us. Yeah, because we're re- because we're resilient. We're part of a team, and we'll have the support of our team around us. You know, I think I think we'll be good. I think we'll be fine.
1: I love what you've just said there, Debbie. We yeah, are we are adaptable, yeah. aren't we? We are. But you are you can seriously
0: go through with a little 1963, 1964, 1971, yeah. 1973. All those changes we've gone through. You know, it's it's. Phenomenal. We, we will adapt to anything. Yeah.
1: And I, I think we've also got that, that appetite to constantly adapt and evolve, um, as d- the dental profession does in general. But I think, you know, looking at our strengths specifically as dental therapists... Um, I think that's a lovely maybe thing to be focusing on now and a lovely place to maybe end this. I, I
2: think therapists have been very good at capitalising on opportunity. So, you know, when they when they can see a way that they can be used more effectively and add something to the team, I think they're not backwards in coming forwards and saying, How about if We change what we're doing a little bit. What about if I did that bit for you first? Mm. That would free up your time to do this, that and the other. And then why don't you come in and finish this bit? Or, you know, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And um, I think, yeah, I I love what you've also just said there, Debbie. You know, the fact that I guess sometimes it has been challenging to maybe get some work done as a therapist and from an acceptance side of things. So it's always been about maybe negotiating or trialing it and being open to try it to see if it works, to allow it to fit into that workflow and to be accepted by the team. So, again, another strength.
2: I mean, I, I qualified in 83, so you know, donkey years ago, when we were still restricted to where we could work and that sort of thing. And so I, I have spent the last nearly 40 years explaining to people what a therapist does and how you can use me. And we, we still, where we used to have permitted duties, then it used to say simple fillings, and every therapist listening to this will roll their eyes at the Ooh. phrase fillings. <laughs> people said, to adults, does that mean you can only do occlusals then? Does that mean you can, Does that mean you only do premolars?" You know, simple fillings always meant everything that didn't require a pin. Back in the days when we used pins, so if it didn't involve the pulp and it didn't have a pin. It was in the remit of a therapist, and that's what they called simple.
0: Mm. Apparently, these <laughs> younger therapists Deb, don't even know what a pin is.
2: <laughs> no, no, they probably don't. They <laughs> probably find them in the BDA museum. I know. <laughs> oh, brilliant! But, and, and, and interestingly, you could place the pin, but you couldn't drill the hole for it. So, if you needed a pin, you'd have to get the dentist to come in, and they drill the hole. You'd usually get them to put the pin in while they were there, and then you'd build up this whopping great amalgam around it. So, you know, it is like something out of the arc to the youngsters listening. In yeah.
0: the only <laughs> what, the only time I ever see them now is when you drill in a huge amalgam out, and then you yes. see the spark.
2: Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, it goes flying off, doesn't it? Of yeah. So, but, but yeah. I I also, I also used to get really really cross at the idea of simple fillings. No, me too, because Because where we used to work was confined to either hospital or community clinics, um, you could only be seen in the community clinic while you could have free NHS treatment. So once you got to 18, you couldn't be seen anymore. So by that very fact, we tended to see a lot of children. And the therapists were, the auxiliaries, as they were then, were originally brought in because children's dental health was failing so much and the general dental service just couldn't cope with it. So, which, you know, and it's funny, isn't it? Full circle, look at the GA extractions going on with kids now. Um, So so we were brought in, really, to treat a lot of children. And tell me what is simple about trying to do an extraction with a local or a four-year-old... Yeah, I know. And it's yeah, funny, that, isn't it, that, the terminology? That was, that was always in the remit. Mm. Extracting primary teeth under local anaesthesia was always in the remit. Mm. And therapists were trained to give infiltrations right back in the 60s. Mm. That bit didn't change. It was the block that mm. came later. But what What is simple about that? Yeah, I think,
1: yeah, it... it uh basically looking back and reflecting on what you've just said nothing is simple in what we do in dentistry (laughs) and especially in therapy and we do have especially in small children yeah in small children and for any dental professionals listening and we do have great skills great resilience regardless and I think get in touch with the BADT if anybody any therapist listening wish to be instrumental and work alongside the counsellors of the BADT, working with the government to move the profession forward to support the public's oral health. So thank you so much to you both. It's the SMAR revolution, fire round. Debbie Hemington, if you had one opportunity to speak to all the dentists around the world, what would you like to ask them?
2: I'd like to ask them to find out more about dental therapists before they decide they can't have one.
1: And Debbie McGovern, what question would you like to ask all dentists around the world if you had an opportunity to speak to each and every one of them?
0: I would like to know if they've ever worked with a dental therapist before um, and how it went. And for those that it was successful, I'd like to know how they made it a success. And for those who did have a therapist and it wasn't a success, I'd like to know how they tried to implement the therapist into the practice. And I'd like to know what went wrong and how it went wrong. Because I'd love to be able to help dentists in that situation where they've had a therapist and it's not quite worked right, you know, worked out um, and help them implement them into practice successfully because there is a niche, there is a way to do it successfully.
1: Thank you so much for both coming on the Smart Revolution podcast. Thank, you for, having Thank us. you for having us. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it, rate it, and leave a review. Please email me on info at smile-revolution.net. I can't wait to learn how this recording has impacted you. And lastly, Don't forget to like, subscribe and follow Smart Revolution on social media for more content. Please engage in the comments section. I will read all and respond to as many as possible. The podcast audio is available on all major platforms and some video content on the podcast can now be found on the Smart Revolution YouTube channel. To stay up to date on all Smile Revolution projects, subscribe to the Smile Revolution newsletter by emailing info at smile-revolution.net stating subscribe to newsletter. You can now join me for Smile Revolution yoga, yoga dedicated to the well-being of the dental profession. Thanks so much for joining and being part of the Smile Revolution.